Hey, this is the Holistic Travel Nurse. Do I have an episode for you guys? I took a little bit of what's been going on at the Clay Clarks. Um, Dallas, the Dallas event. If I was in Texas, yes, I would be at that. I would be supporting it. And so I have Dr. Bartlett, which is very funny. of some of his stuff um, out in this conversation. I have a couple other speakers. Um, ended with um, Andy Wakefield. If you don't know him, please go support his work. Um, get in the fight and all of this. And um, if you're new to my listening to my podcast, because I'm getting new listeners all the time, I've been sharing truth that the media has been lying about. I have been... Um, giving you hope and inspiration to take care of your health naturally is why I put the podcast together. And then God's like, you know what? There's a lot of lies out there and people are being told by the fake news, all sorts of kind of crap that isn't true. And we need more people standing and speaking the truth. And either we stand before God in the judgment day and we say, Hey, what did he, what'd you do with your life? And did you use what I gave you, which the tools I gave you, for good or evil and I want to use them for good and so with that said um, I have decided I'm going to do the research and I mean I have good content on here if you want to go look about vitamin C and go back to many of the other podcasts but this one this episode is all about sharing how we can get in the fight how um, you need to hear the truth and the truth will set you free and uh, what's going on with the whole COVID-19 crap? Um, and the narrative that is being pushed is wrong. And so this episode is all about that. And I don't like to keep them too long. So I'm going to keep it at that and let it end with the rest of um, a little bit of the Clay Clark and the, um, the Freedom Tour. And I hope you can go to that. I hope you can go watch more of it. It is a very long thing. He has just bits and pieces on that you can go and digest on the Thrive Time show or the whole thing, I think is going to be on there for a little bit. And I'm listening to the whole thing and I'm taking bits and pieces of it that aren't shared so much as the bits and pieces onto my platform. And then I'm going to talk about it a little, um, my opinion. Um, I've seen COVID in the hospital and I've seen it treated wrongfully, the wrong way. Why aren't we supporting people with vitamin D and vitamin C? That's all I have to say about that. We are lacking in nutrients, and they've been doing that to us for a long time. Um, enjoy the rest of this episode. They, they're, they're fielding questions day and night. They come to the website, and you have some questions that you've thought about, that you've seen. Do you want to? Ask me those questions. So, budesonideworks.com, if someone has symptoms, early treatment saves lives. Who else is saying that? I think Governor Ron DeSantis. Let's give it up for Ron DeSantis. He's right. All right, Jody, hit me with a question. All right. You ready? Uh, Clay, can I have 60 seconds on the clock? Just kidding. A little game show humor. Um, all right, so... Why does budesonide work against COVID-19? So when we did the research, this virus attaches to ACE receptors in the lungs. We've all heard that. 
Did you know that budesonide and inhaled steroids downregulate your ACE receptors? So you have less doorway into the body for the virus to multiply? And that's why, did you know children have less ACE receptors than adults? And every year you have more and more till you're about 24 years old? And that's the explanation why children don't get as sick and they're not super spreaders. And what about, yeah, I like that. So think about this. When 30,000 people died in two weeks in New York from COVID, they looked at the top 10 comorbidities and they were shocked that asthma was not on that list. You would think that that would be on the top of the list because they already are at risk. That's because we have 20,000 Americans with asthma and the number one preventive measure is inhaled steroids, i.e. budesonide is an inhaled steroid. And so it's protecting them. It also suppresses the release of the cytokines, those inflammatory chemicals right from the source. COVID causes the release of these inflammatory chemicals from the lung lining and you're suppressing it, turning off the faucet right at the source for the symptoms of diarrhea. 60% of the people have diarrhea with COVID. That's caused by the inflammatory chemicals from the lining. So things that are not respiratory are still caused by those cytokines. Isn't that interesting? Good question, Jody. I have another one that we just got this week. A lot of people contact us that have loved ones in the hospital and they tell us what the doctors are telling them. And lately they said, the doctor said it's too late for budesonide. They're in ICU and they're not even on a ventilator yet. Wrong. So if you go to budesonideworks.com, click on the validation tab, number nine link is a study that's at the NIH database. Oh, that's our federal government. It's vetted by the NIH. And that study says inhaled budesonide will help people with ARDS. When people get short of breath with COVID, they have ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome. And this is a study that says that when you use the budesonide for people on the ventilator in the ICU, that's late disease, that it'll help in four ways. They proved it, that it'll improve their blood oxygen. It'll reverse the scarring and remodeling. It'll reverse the edema, the swelling in the lung tissue, and it'll shut off the release of the cytokines at the source. Which one of those is bad? I like all of them. And so I'll give you an example. We have is Brenda Jones around here anywhere? Okay, Brenda and Richard stand up. Brenda was on the ventilator on 100% oxygen and Richard was called by the doctor at home and said, she's gonna die, we've done all we can do. We need your permission to let her die. Is that right, Richard? Come on up here, Richard. And he said, no. He said, my wife made me promise that we do all we could do. Doctor says, uh, I don't do that. Everybody stand up where you are and get your hand like this. And I want you to practice something that President Trump taught us. If a doctor tells you the wrong answer, you, repeat me, read af repeat after me. You're fired. Okay, you can sit down. So you have the right to fire your doctor. That's right. And what I've people been saying. are bringing their loved ones home, sometimes only because they fired the wrong doctor. If the doctor has the wrong answer, they're fired. Uh, so that was a good question. Okay. And you can go to budesonideworks.com. There's a providers tab, and you can find 
providers in every state that will do telemedicine and will get you the help you need. All right. Clotting uh, is the main cause of death in COVID. What does budesonide do for clotting? Okay, so one of the problems with COVID causes many problems, but one of them is clotting. 14.1% of patients in the hospital with COVID, according to a study at the NIH, will develop venous thromboemboli. They make a funny word for everything in medicine, and that means clots. And so what does that look like? A clot in the coronary artery is a heart attack. A clot in the cerebral artery is a stroke. A clot in the lungs is a pulmonary embolus. They're all bad. And so the strategy is budesonide nebulizer treatments, aspirin, and the right antibiotic to protect you from bacterial pneumonia, which is you're at increased risk for because of the virus. But we, I think that's all the questions we're going to be able to answer. Let's give it up for Laura and Jody real quick. You can go have a seat because they're going to show a video. We're going to close with another success story. It's not over till God says it's over, right? being held hostage by fake news and fake science right how do we get the truth out film film is the only way to get through this because guess what while all of this COVID crazy is going on, we are already at war and we've been at war since 1986. So welcome to the battlefield. We are standing on the bodies of broken children that have been injured for years. And we were told we were crazy. Well, they can't tell me I'm crazy because I know how to spot fake news and fake science. So good luck with that because I'm also the little girl that when her daddy said, sit down, I stood up and said, no. And he said, I give up. You're the most persistent kid I've ever seen. I don't even know what to do with you. So come on, pharma. You want a piece of me? Come on. I take that challenge. And I take that battle because I know that we are on the right side of history. I know. Sorry, cat's out of the bag. And I'm not going to stop telling people. In fact, in 2015, when the Lord took me back to California, I had a six-year-old at that point. I watched in horror as pharma's shills, also known as lobbyists, because you do know that lobbyists in the pharmaceutical industry outnumber oil and gas 15 to 1. And oil and gas is the biggest lobby in the world. That's right. So I watched in horror in 2015 as SB277 passed which now requires parents to put 22 pharmaceutical products into their five-year-olds or no public or private school. And you know what they say, as goes California, goes the nation. No, come on! Louder. 
We need all hands on deck. We need you and we need all hands on deck. Because when I saw what I saw in 2015, I knew we were in deep trouble. Because guess what? By the time the policy hits the table, by the time the policy is introduced in the legislature, it's too late. Horse trading's already been done. You can't stop it. There's too many stakeholders. Too many people invested in that bill becoming a law. So we have to educate our lawmakers before the policy is introduced. And if you're in a state where you don't know who your lawmakers are, find out, look it up, and find out where your state is. Because since we've lost California, we've also lost New York, we've lost Maine, and Colorado, man, they're coming for Colorado and they're coming for Oregon. We have to fight. What's the best way to fight? Well, as the mom of a now 14-year-old healthy, amazing little boy, what I try to teach him is when you have to solve a problem, you need to find an expert, right? Got to find an expert. Takes, what, 10,000 hours to master something? Well, in 2015, the Lord did exactly that for me because when I saw SB 277 pass, I knew we were in big trouble. Because now, on the heels of the 1986 Act, which gave pharmaceutical companies that make vaccines zero liability for their products, how does that happen? How do you get a business model that allows you to make junk that gets injected into the bloodstream of a 12-hour-old baby and you have zero liability for your product? How does that happen? Oh, and did I mention that the particular vaccine that they do that with is for hepatitis B, which is spread through unprotected relations with adults that are infected and shared needles. How many 12-hour-old infants are at risk of this? Why is it standard of care in America for 12-hour-old infants to get a hepatitis B vaccine that has aluminum in it and all kinds of other junk? Why is that standard of care? Well, if you ask the VP of Merck, he'll tell you, as he did in a conference in Louisiana, because we can. Because we can. So he wasn't my expert. My expert was born September 3rd in 1953. To the mom, to a mom who's a fifth generation doctor, her water broke at 2 a.m. and she wasn't too alarmed because she knew it was happening. It was her second baby. Her biggest concern was getting to the hospital fast enough before the baby came. And when he arrived, she said that he very quickly became the grandparents' favorite because he was so easy to get along with and so easygoing. Well, that same little baby boy ended up becoming best boy at St. Mary's College and captain of the rugby team. He's one of those types, you know, Mr. Perfect. And it wasn't just for the accolades on the rugby field. He maintained that perfection of character when he was sitting at a table 
across from parents and children that were telling him what they saw. If you're a parent or you know a parent, you know every little milestone that newborn makes because you're watching them with such love. When did we stop believing the parents? When did we stop? When vaccine makers got no liability. That's when we stopped listening to the parents. But this man did not stop listening to the parents. He listened to the parents all the time and he honored what he heard. And instead of backing the pharmaceutical industry, he stood up for the children. Yeah, he did. That's my expert. You know, they say integrity is what you do when no one's looking, right? So my expert's going to be somebody like that, who's going to do what's right no matter who's looking. That's exactly what he did. It cost him his entire career. Rupert Murdoch weaponized his media empire against this man in exchange for a seat on the board of directors for his son, James. But we know Wakefield was right. Please welcome Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Woo! Thank you, thank you. I, uh, such a great pleasure to be here. I came to this country in 2004 in political and professional exile, and I came to the great state of Texas. And here I learned what freedom really means. There is some peculiar quality about Texans that was so valuable to me, such an extraordinary lesson, and we have absolutely no right one thing i learned we have no right whatsoever to squander the sacrifices made by those who founded this country what had happened to me in my uh, professional and moral obligation to parents of vaccine injured children was to take their stories seriously and that was in effect the end of my medical career However, I then became a filmmaker, and what I want to talk to you about briefly today is the power of film. And it's a great privilege to have, to share a stage with people like Mickey Willis and Dale Bigtree, who'll be here later, great filmmakers. First film I made was Who Killed Alex Spordalakis. It's the story of a child in Chicago who we were called to see and help because he was in four-point lock restraints in a, in a pediatric intensive care unit. He was given 28 psychotropic medications, each one to offset the side effects of the last one. And his was a testament to the total inadequacy of the medical system in even understanding what autism was, let alone how to treat it. I'll cut a very long story short, but eventually after desperate, desperate plight, he ended up in Lutheran Hospital again in four-point locked restraints on two intravenous and one intramuscular sedations that you would give as an anesthetic for a horse. And he was still bending the bed, the metal frame of the bed. 
But halfway through the week, his insurance ran out, so they took off his restraints, took out his IV and put him out on the street. And a week later, his mother stabbed him to death and tried to take his, her own life. And we'd been filming all of this extraordinary event, and this, in the media, was portrayed as a crazy mother who hated her child. Nothing could have been further from the truth. This was a mother who loved her child dearly and was so distressed by witnessing his suffering, she could no longer bear it. And so she entered into this murder-suicide pact with this child. So we made a film, and this is the power of film, and nothing about this is to endorse the murder of children or suicide. It is about telling the truth, the true story, and the ability of film to do that. And so we made that movie. Four years later, she was still in maximum security. She was going to be prosecuted, going to be charged with aggravated murder, which meant no parole. She was going to stay in prison for life. But she had still not gone to trial after four years. And then her lawyer called me from Chicago. And he said, Andy, the state's prosecutor, who was responsible for prosecuting Dorothy Spordalakis, has called us. And he said, I understand a film has been made about this. We would like to see it. So I sent him my last remaining DVD. He called me back two weeks later, and he said, we can no longer prosecute this case in the same way. She will be released from prison next week. That is the power of film to tell the truth. It's like that story of the starfish on the beach among the millions of starfish and the little boys throwing them back so the gulls are eating them. And someone says to him, this is not going to make a difference. It's not going to help them. And he said, well, it helped that one, didn't it? And this helped that one. And then Vax came along. And Vax was an extraordinary film for various reasons. But it changed the entire landscape. And the reasons are odd and strange, but the reasons are, one, because at that time in the autism community, in the community of people who believe their children have been injured by vaccines, there was fragmentation, people were falling apart, there was this siege mentality that people, people forgot that the enemy was outside the gates and they were looking inside for people who were traitors, people, why have we no food, why have we no ammunition? And that's what happens when you've been under siege for a very long time. What happened with Vaxxed, it was about a CDC whistleblower who came forward and said, you know, you said MMR vaccine may be a cause of autism, Dr. Wakefield. Well, we discovered that in 2001. We destroyed the documents, we covered it up, we presented a paper that told a completely different story. And in that time, thousands and thousands and thousands of American children and by proxy children around the world went to the wall with serious permanent neurological damage because the CDC had lied. And that story changed everything because then people realized that the enemy was on the outside, was outside the wall. And it brought everybody, all those disparate groups together again. And then it was accepted for one of the most prestigious film festivals in the world, Tribeca, to Robert De Niro. And a few days later, under pressure from commercial sponsors involved in the pharmaceutical industry, it was pulled. It was censored from an independent film festival that had never happened before. What happened next was Robert De Niro who realized that he'd been duped and he went on the Today Show and Good Morning America and he said, everybody should watch this film, we should not have done that. 
and it exploded worldwide. And there was an instance where censorship worked against the pharmaceutical industry and our enemies. That's what happened. It exploded worldwide. The last film that I made was 1986, The Act, and it was about why we are where we are now in this world. It was about the 1986 Act signed into law by Ronald Reagan, which took away liability from the pharmaceutical industry for death and damage caused by their vaccines. They had the perfect business model. They had a mandatory market. Children had to get vaccinated to go to school, and they had no liability, zero. All they could do was make a massive, massive profit, and that's exactly what they did. And what that enabled them to do is to buy politicians, to buy policy, to write policy, to buy doctors, to buy medical training, to buy medical students, to buy medical journals, to own the narrative, to buy the media, to own the narrative, to own the headline, to buy the regulatory agencies who were meant to be there to keep a check on them. The CDC, the FDA, the NIH. And this was a global phenomenon, a global policy. This wasn't just in America. And that's why we are, are where we are today with COVID vaccines, because they became so powerful. They owned so much that they could exact that kind of price. But they would never own the hearts and minds of the American people. And so for those of you who say, well, I'm not against childhood vaccines, they're just a rite of passage, but I am against having this COVID vaccine put in my body. Bear in mind, you have the privilege of making that call. Children don't. But let me tell you this, that I have been in vaccine safety research for 35 years, and I have seen them, and I've seen how they work, and it is even worse for childhood vaccines. But I also tell you this, is that when I started in this 35 years ago, 30 years ago, there were a handful of us, literally a handful of us who were concerned about vaccine safety, about the side effects, about the growing rates of autism, of neurodevelopmental disorders in children, of autoimmune diseases. Now, that number is half the world. Hmm. That is winning. That is winning. Half the world now is concerned about vaccine safety, about vaccine mandates, about bodily autonomy. That is what has happened. So if you think you are losing, if you think we are losing, think again. The Soviet Union was massive. You watch videos of Red Square on the May Day parade. It was inviolable. It was massive. It was all-powerful. It could never fail. And then the blinking of an eye was gone. It was gone. And that is what is happening now. So believe me, from someone who has been in this for a very long time, this is what winning looks like. It is uncomfortable, but that is where we are. And that is an incentive to keep doing and keep demanding and keep pushing and not to stop. Not to stop. Briefly, I have just finished a film for Bobby Kennedy, a short film that comes out in January, and it is about infertility vaccines. And people at meetings would say to me, Andy, do you think this is a population control agenda? Do you think these vaccines are being used to reduce the population, to reduce fertility? And I would say, nah. 
What a clumsy way of doing it. I was completely and utterly wrong. And you watch that movie, it's an extraordinary story, and I hope I've done it credit, but it is an amazing story. That comes out in January. And now I'm about to make a new film. But I'm going to wrap up with this. And the new film is a full-length narrative. It's a whodunit. It's a proper movie, as opposed to being a documentary. And I co-wrote it with a guy called Terry Rossio. And you'll say, never heard of Terry Rossio. And I'll say, well, have you heard of Shrek and Pirates of the Caribbean? Have you heard of Aladdin? Have you heard of King Kong versus Godzilla? Because those are the films he wrote. He's one of the most successful film writers in Hollywood history. And he and I wrote this screenplay together. And I can't say too much about the story for reasons that will become manifestly obvious. But I would say this is that my commitment to you, my complete and utter commitment to you, is to do whatever it takes, to take whatever risks need to be taken to make this world a safer place for your children and your grandchildren, and so on.